May 15th, 2019, Joey Cleveland. We're going to be doing a lot of uh, the things you were singing about in that opener. This is a big, big show on a big week here on That's What G Said. Thank you for joining us again. Let's go through a little rundown today. We're going to have the NBA lottery discussion, NBA recaps of games won from both of the conference finals, Game of Thrones, Recap, episode 5, predictions for the final episode ever of Game of Thrones. WWE Money in the Bank predictions this weekend is the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And then, Pimlico Friday, we will talk races 7 through 13 at Pimlico on Friday. Then Saturday, we'll have a full card preview coming up for you. On Saturday with the, all of the undercard races for the Preakness. And the Preakness itself will get into all of those horses. So no messing around today. We're going to bounce from topic to topic to topic. And you know how we begin. On this day, May the 15th. What happened on this day? German astronomer. Johannes Kepler discovers the third of his three planetary laws, his harmonics law. National Women's Suffrage Association forms in New York, founded by Susan B. Anthony. Uh, One of the first ever McDonald's restaurants was opened in San Bernardino in 1940. That was 1869, the National Women's Suffrage Association, 1618 German astronomer Johannes Kepler. 19... 14, Henry Rabat's opera Moraf Sauveteur de Care premieres in Paris. Always got to throw one of the uh, international ones in there. May 15th, 2010, Jessica Watson at age 16 becomes the youngest person to sail solo nonstop and unassisted around the world. How about Mickey Mouse makes his first ever appearance and it was in silent film, Plain Crazy. On May the fifteenth, nineteen twenty-eight, we we know we. I always remember hearing that Mickey Mouse. The first time he ever showed up was in Steamboat Willie. But Plane Crazy was a a film, a short film directed by Walt Disney, and it was actually the first creation of Mickey Mouse. But it was a silent film, and it was not well received. It did not get picked up by a distributor. And so later on that year, they released Mickey Mouse, in a, Mickey Mouse in a sound cartoon called Steamboat Willie. So Plain Crazy was actually the first time uh, Mickey Mouse showed up. And James Puckle, London lawyer, patents the world's first machine gun back in 1718 on May the 15th. Emily Dickinson passed away on this day in 1886. Famous birthdays, George Brett, Emmett Smith. Ray Lewis, Andy Murray. On this day, I'm going to give a shout out to some of you who have been reaching out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Let's Get Social, Instagram. Always love to hear from you out there. Call to Post Racing. Nice to hear from the guys at Call to Post Racing. Make sure to get to calltopost.com. Check everything out over there. I am a part of the Slack channel on calltopost.com. We are always talking uh, different Wagers, different things happening in racing Currently in the middle of a Handicapping contest So if you want to get involved Go to calltopost.com And you can, uh, you can become a, a member there 
couple questions from the call to post guys. It says, which Stark does Danny kill first since she let out uh, since she let out of the crazy box? Well, spoiler alert, if you haven't mentioned it yet, we will be talking Game of Thrones throughout the episode. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, who does Danny kill first? Is what Call to Post Race was asking. Um, let's see. Is Danny gonna get? I think she might get Arya. I feel like Sansa is gonna be around though at the end. And any t- chance Zion goes back to Duke since he hasn't hired a, an agent? Maybe. I heard some rumblings that he may not want to go to New Orleans, but I can't imagine. So, you know, you have to take this opportunity right now, and that situation might not be bad. Whether or not they keep Anthony Davis, whether they make the trade, we'll discuss that in just a bit uh, when we get into the lottery. And uh, another one from Call to Post, does War, or, uh, does War of Will run the same race that he did in the Derby from the one hole from a pace perspective? You know, I wonder when we get into the Preakness, I'll have a full Preakness podcast coming out on Thursday at some point on the, the 16th, 17th, either uh, about a day, day and a half before the Preakness. We'll go through all those races. I think he'll be forwardly placed. That's when he runs his best races, and they wanted to get to the lead in the Derby. I don't know if they necessarily are going to send, but I'd imagine forwardly placed, and maybe you don't want to have to worry about being behind horses again. So maybe they do try to get a little aggressive with him. Nice to hear from Chris Mondragon out there. Mondragon, Chris, great to hear from you. Remember, folks, uh, anytime you see on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. We'll post one of these. If you have a question, a comment, a prediction that you want to share bernie shrems that i picked improbable probable all year i've been disappointed however if he's ever going to win this is the one so go improbable and he said as for game of thrones i read every book as soon as it came out most of the show i thought was okay or i was okay with but the season just sucks not a fan of the final season we get a lot of that a lot of people aren't a big fan of this final season of game of thrones nice to hear from ron grover again said he's, he'll be uh, waiting until preakness saturday to bet but he may go down to his local track Ratama Park on Friday night. Joe Killen. Joey. Joey Q. Say not sure yet about Pimlico, but the NBA lottery setup was better than I expected. Maybe tanking will stop finally. I agree. And not just because the Lakers moved up. But it, it if the goal is to try to get teams from stop to tank because the difference between you know, being the 5th, 6th, 8th, 10th team and the first team isn't that much as we saw, a lot of movement in the lottery, and then maybe I think it is the uh, it is the right play there. So great to hear from Joe. We'll go through a lot of the predictions for the Preakness on the Preakness show. So if you're out there, uh, you see one of the posts on social media, post with your selection, and I'll roll through all the selections for... Um, everyone on the Preakness podcast, so make sure to get through those NBA lottery. So the lottery, there was a lot of movement this year, right? Before the lottery, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Suns, the Bulls, and the Hawks, they were the one, two, three, four, five teams with the best opportunity to get the number one overall pick. They were the worst teams in order from one through five. The way it ended up, the Pelicans with the one, Memphis Grizzlies with the two, the Knicks with the three, the Lakers with the four, the Cavs with the fives. So some of the overall thoughts from this. First of all, number one with the Pelicans, Anthony Davis. Now, 
Does he stay? Zion is there. Not a bad team around him. But does he just want to get out? Has that bridge been burned? Man, did he go a little too far last year? Sitting out the games, wearing the shirt, I'm out of here, all this. And the reports are that he still wants to leave. What a package that would be with Zion and AD though, right? Putting those two together just from an athleticism standpoint. I will say I'm not as high on Zion as everybody else is. I think he might be a little bit of a tweener. I don't think he's going to be a complete bust, but I don't think he's going to be a com- an absolute game changer. I really don't. He needs to improve his shooting a little bit. He's very young, obviously. He needs to improve his free throws. So f- for me to be a guy that is going to have a franchise built around him and is going to be billed as a savior, that's going to be a lot to ask from Zion. With David Griffin in charge in uh, in New Orleans, the Pelicans, are are they more or less, li- less likely to trade with the Lakers because of Griffin's relationship with LeBron, Clutch? Is he going to help them? Is he going to be a little more stubborn and not want to help this team? I know he's been very high on some of the Lakers' young pieces in particular I heard him talking about Brandon Ingram before but the issues out there now with Brandon Ingram are his health he had the blood blood clot reportedly everything is fine but I don't know what his value will be like until people get the opportunity to watch him play a little bit or there is some real announcement or you know honestly I think he just has to play in order for him him to kind of get some of that value back and you know now the reports are that They don't want to trade with the Lakers. I have such a tough time believing any reports around anything to do with the Lakers just because, and I'm talking about ones that are positive or negative for the Lakers, for them or against them, because there's so many people out there now that have their own agendas when they're reporting things. I think on the national level, um, you see Woj, Brian Windhorst, some of them, they are reporting things, and maybe because they were slighted by LeBron or slighted by the Lakers, they release information that may lead people to think one way. And then maybe some of the Laker reporters or people covering the Lakers who have inside sources there are getting fed, inf- not fed information, but told something to direct the narrative a different way. So with LeBron, who has so much coverage around him and he's so dramatic, positive or negative, right? And the Lakers, you put LeBron plus the Lakers, there's so much coverage around everything that it's just hard to know what is real, what's not, what's happening, what's being reported. So I just, now I can't really believe anything until I I really see what's happened. The Celtics, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Clippers are all teams possibly interested in dealing with the Pelicans to try to get Anthony Davis. Who has the best package of them? The two pick, Memphis. Now, this opens up a couple things because the Memphis has already made really made it known that they like John Morant, point guard. Does that now that puts Mike Conley on the on the table. There's a couple of years left in his deal, big contract remaining, but he is a very good point guard who could help push a team over the top. Is a team like the Lakers thinking about maybe making a trade for Mike Conley if they can't you know have any success with other free agents. Does that have too much overlap with Lonzo there? Can Lonzo and Conley play next to each other? Do they care really about Lonzo, even the Lakers? Who knows? With the three pick, the Knicks maybe bear it. But the questions with the Knicks now are KD. Is Durant going to go there? 
Everyone's saying yes. Is Kyrie going to join KD there? Everyone's saying yes. And are they trying to trade for AD? Or does KD just want that to be his team? Now the Lakers, they moved up from 11 to 4. And this is a big asset for the Lakers to use in a trade. Even if not for AD, maybe a Bradley Beal, you know, someone like that. This is finally something positive now for the Lakers. I cannot see them keeping this pick. I think this will be used in some way, shape, or form in a trade as an asset. I like the fact that now the Lakers have a coach. They're getting their staff in place. They got a little a little positive energy with this. Now, hopefully, all of the negative dark clouds are not going to go away. But the last couple things that have happened now, at least there's not a lot of uns- as much uncertainty out there. Should be a press conference coming up at the beginning of the week. Hopefully, that goes well when they announce Frank Vogel. It'll be the first time that someone in, in the Lakers organization has talked since Magic stepped down. I think the Cavs, the Suns, the Bulls, Atlanta, that was big losses for all of them, right? The Cavs, they were right in line, you thought, to, for a number one pick. They dropped down to five. The Suns were in the top three. They dropped down to six. The Bulls were in the top five. They dropped down to seven. And then the Hawks, whose two selections were five and nine, they end up dropping down to eight and ten. So not the best lottery on paper for uh, for the Cavs, the Suns, the Bulls, and Atlanta, and and really who knows with the Knicks dropping uh, dropping to the third. They didn't get Zion, but I don't think they're in terrible shape there with the with the three NBA game ones in both of the conference finals. We saw the West first with the Warriors and the Blazers, and then we saw the East just earlier this evening, a couple hours before I uh, recorded this podcast, where. The Milwaukee Bucks were able to come back and take care of Toronto Raptors in Game 1. So the one seeds in both the conferences take care of Game 1. Let's start in the West. Finals won 16-94. And they were... Portland was way too laxed on D. In particular on Steph Curry. He had 9 threes, 36 points. Lilliard even mentioned after the game that it felt like uh, Steph was taking practice shots. Shots you'd make in practice Wide open Curry was 12 for 23 overall And Lillard and McCollum combined Were only 11 for 31 Then you get 26 points from Clay. The Blazers actually got solid contributions From Mo Harkless who had 17 points And 3 blocks He shot the ball well Rodney Hood who's continued to play well He had 17 points He was good getting the free throw line And he shot well 4 of 8 Draymond did dream on things for Golden State, but you, when you look on paper in Portland, they were only down six going into the fourth quarter. They were close. They're getting solid contributions from a couple of the role players, which they need. They just looked a little tired. They did not get enough from Lillard and McCollum, and we we've seen with this Portland team, they need Lillard and McCollum to have big games, at least one of them to be able to carry them to, to have enough scoring. Draymond, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks, and 2 steals. And, you know, after that 7-game series, having to win on the road in Game 7, plus a 4-overtime game in that series, Portland just, I think, was a little gassed, and Golden State had um, a few extra days off in between to uh, to rest up and get ready for this. Warriors 
up six going into the fourth Never less than that Just uh, really open things up in the fourth quarter So Portland now Can they come back and steal game two? Kevin Durant's going to get an MRI on Thursday We'll know if Kevin Durant will be ready to play game two or game three I'd imagine they're going to say no to game two They'll probably see And if Golden State wins game two They'll probably give him another Till game three, I think he's he's probably out until they lose, right? Why bring him back a little early? I think you wait until you need him. Durant, possibly back in the next few games. Over to the East. Let's go through the, the game tonight. It was Milwaukee-Toronto, and Toronto was up by 11 at the end of one. Early in the second quarter, the difference in the game was that Toronto was 8 for 18 from 3 And Milwaukee was 4 for 18 from 3 Middleton, Miritich, Bledsoe, Brook Loop, Lopez, Hill, and Connaughton Combined 0 for 11 to start So when, when you're getting that type of production early on From some of your better 3-point shooters You're likely going to be down double digits And they're lucky that it wasn't more But in the second quarter Milwaukee made a little run. Brooke Lopez, he went on, they went on a 12-2 run. Brooke Lopez had seven point, uh, seven of those points, and he had 11 points with six minutes and 28 seconds left in the half. Lowry had three threes early on after just shooting 28% from three in the playoffs. Malcolm Brogdon, who just returned from uh, an injury, comes back and gives them some really good minutes. Early on, Brogdon talked about how he wants to move the ball and he wants to provide like a spark plug off the bench in 12 minutes in the first half. He had 11 points, three assists, two rebounds, and a plus minus of plus six. Kawhi with a quiet 15 in the first half. In the third quarter, back and forth, Toronto still with the advantage, but Milwaukee cuts it to 76 72. They're down four with 230 left in the third quarter. A big three by Siakam to end the quarter. Toronto was up by seven. Milwaukee takes an 84-83 lead with 9.56 left. It was their first lead since 8-6 in the first quarter. Then Lowry comes right back with a big answer. This is fifth three-pointer. The Bucks take the lead 91-88 on Middleton's first three-pointer of the game with just under two minutes left. 104-100 Milwaukee and Brooke Lopez balling. Brooke Lopez was really the difference in the game tonight. As he had a couple spurts where he really got hot and was able to carry the team offensively He ended up with four three-pointers at 29 points, 11 rebounds, four blocks, and two assists And this is Brooke Lopez who I really loved as a Laker He's great in this, this day and age as he is a big now that can shoot the three He can play a little defense when you have to He can stretch the floor You can go to him in the post if, if need be You don't do it often But he's a guy that can get a bucket and can really score People forget he, he's been a top level scorer in this league for a while Only makes $3.3 million a year It's a great get for the Bucks, And part of the reason why Milwaukee is at such an excellent year Big shout out to Eric Eric uh, Who's a big Bucks fan? Talked to Eric on Twitter. Very good gambler. He is one to one to follow. Let me get, let me get Eric's uh, Eric's info. Had some good interactions earlier today. And what I like about Eric is we don't always agree on everything. We go back and forth on Twitter. Give Eric a follow at etoft21. So you'll see me uh, 
interacting with Eric quite a bit. Good, good gambler, always talking sports, always talking uh, whatever side of the game or whatever, whatever line he, he thinks is good. And he's been very high on the Bucks. So every time they play well, I know he's got a couple futures on them um, to, I think, win the whole thing and to win the Eastern Conference. So best of luck, Eric, there. Let's move on over, make the segment transition into... Game of Thrones, spoiler, big spoilers, folks. Game of Thrones talk coming up now. If you haven't watched the fifth episode of Season 8 of Game of Thrones, you want to skip past this, or if you're just not really into Game of Thrones, then you can skip on past this to the WWE portion next. We'll preview Money in the Bank, and then we'll close things out with races 7-13 through 13 on Friday from Pimlico. There are some uh, some good wagering options there. On Friday. Game of Thrones. We open up episode 5 of season 8 with Varys. He's writing a letter to let everyone know about John's true identity. And he's using a little girl to send out messages. She knows she's kind of being watched. She's delivering some of these. Daenerys has not left her chamber for days. She won't eat. She won't sleep after seeing her friend Masande executed right in front of her. She won't see anyone. Varys speaking to John, and he mentions... A quote, every time a Targaryen is born and the gods toss a coin and the world holds its breath as he is wondering how Daenerys is going to react to all of the recent tragedy around her. He says to Jon, we both know what she's about to do. And he also tells Jon he thinks he should be the true ruler. Jon disagrees and says that Danny Daenerys, is his queen. We then see Tyrion talking to Dan- uh, Daenerys and She's upset that Tyrion and Tyrion and John told other people about John's true legacy. Tyrion mentions that it was Varys who's actually um, getting ready to turn on Daenerys. See a sad m- scene when Varys is about to get executed. Tyrion walks up and tells him it was me, and Varys looks at his friend, a friend that he's saved. Saved Tyrion's life. He says, I hope I deserved it. I hope I was wrong. Goodbye, old friend. We'll find out shortly that, in fact, Varys was not wrong. Unfortunately, he was right. And Varys always was true to his goal, no matter what. Like him or not, whoever side he was on, he wanted what was best for the realm. Quickly, Dracarys blows Varys away. The dragon Impeccable control on that dragon fire, right? Able to just rein it in pinpoint accuracy with the dragon fire. Danny has a moment with Grey Worm where they're kind of memorializing Masande, one of her last possessions. He burns it. And now, as Grey Worm guards Dandy, Danny, you can see a change in Grey Worm. He's not the man who is become a little emotional, fallen in love. He's back to that stoic soldier. Just obey, do what he's told. He leaves the room as John comes in to speak to Danny. Now, this is an interesting scene. We see Danny continue to blame Sansa. There's multiple times in the episode where she said it was Sansa's fault. Sansa was planning these things. She, she wanted this to get around. She, Sansa doesn't like me. She doesn't want me to rule. And Danny Daenerys says, I don't have love here, I only have fear. She then goes to kiss John. He tells her he loves her. 
And they start to kiss But then he stops You could tell that he's not really into what's going on Now Daenerys has lost Someone that she loves He's still there But he's not in love with her anymore He says that he uh, she will always be his queen And she looks at him and says Fear it is And you can see at that moment When the loss is just a little too much for Daenerys And she is just getting ready to snap She just lost a, a man that she loved She has already lost Two of her dragons Two of her, her children Jorah Masande, Like him or not Varys who is one of her advisors Many of the Dothraki The Unsullied She found out John is the true heir And now he doesn't love her He betrayed her trust all she really has is her dragon, Grey Worm, and Tyrion, and not even really Tyrion. You can you can tell the frustration that's seeping in, and she is just about set to uh, to have uh, to have a one on one with Tyrion the dragon, so to speak. Tyrion talks to Danny. It's as they discuss the the plan to attack King's Landing. It's Tyrion and Grey Worm. And Danny discussing the plans Tyrion mentions that These are people that they're there to save They're not there to kill innocent people You know, get Cersei Do whatever they have to do But they're not there to try to, to burn This whole city alive And he tells her that When they ring the bells, that means they surrender And she agrees That when they hear the bells ringing That that means they surrender And that means that They have won and no need to, to blow the city away Daenerys then tells Tyrion that His brother Jaime has been captured As he was going back to Cersei Another mistake that Tyrion made As Jaime has flipped And her his loyalty As Daenerys had expected Has been all along with Cersei Tyrion then sneaks in to see Jaime he tells the guards to let him in He is the hand of the queen And we have a, a scene where Jamie And Tyrion have a very powerful Embrace and Really a goodbye As Jamie has saved Tyrion Previously And now Tyrion able to return the favor Jamie's been one of the only People throughout Tyrion's life who's ever really been there For him so whether or not he's a bad Guy for Tyr, as far as Tyrion is concerned, he really has been a, a pretty good brother for the most part. We see the Arya and the Hound. They walk right past the guards as they say they're going to kill Cersei. And then we see Euron and the Iron Fleet. They're on the water. We see the citizens of King's Landing. They're starting to scramble. They're starting to hide. They want to leave because war is upon them. You can feel it. Arya and the Hound are now in King's Landing Jaime is now in King's Landing Tyrion Reminds Jon before they begin Before the battle starts The ringing of the bells Remember that means that they have surrendered Chaos and hysteria all over the city As the armies are waiting for their instructions We see Daenerys and Dracarys together They come out of the clouds Much better tactics this time and they destroy the Iron Fleet quickly And then they come from behind To wipe out the Golden Company And that begins the uh, the battle on the land 
Grey Worm, you could see that different look in his eye He's killing with the purpose and the Invade the city, Dracarys The dragon is just destroying everything Breathing fire everywhere All the weapons are destroyed The scorpions that they were using as the uh, As kind of the The To shoot at the dragons what they had, The weapons they had used to kill the dragons They're gone, the iron fleet is burning The gates have been breached And Kyburn Hand to the queen, he's trying to tell Cersei But she will not listen, she will not give up She is still a little delusional And thinks she's going to win this war We see a standoff between the soldiers And the kings in the army in King's Landing And they, they the, the army in King's Landing They give up, they put down their weapons They surrender, and the bells They ring the bells, so it should be peace Everything's done, right? Surrender It's all good? Well, no Now Danny hears the bells she hears them being being rung and she sits on the dragon, on Dracaris, and she decides against peace. She just burns the city to the ground. And as she starts to burn the city to the ground, Grey Worm sees the fire. He thinks that means to attack. He starts to attack, and now the war on foot um, is back again after some of the army had already surrendered. They'd thrown their weapons down. So now we see John trying to stop the battle, and you see John and Tyrion. They are just devastated by Danny's actions as she is just burning people, millions of people, buildings, the entire city down. They did not need to kill all of these innocent people, and John ends up killing one of his own men who, who's in the midst of battle and, and, and trying to have his way with and rape a, a woman. He's in the middle about about to do that. John ends up killing him. And we then see Danny and Dracaris the dragon just going up and down, back and forth, every part of the city, just burning everything alive. Jamie, in his attempts to sneak into the city, he runs into Euron, and Euron's swimming back to shore. He's almost dead after the interactions in the the ocean with the dragons. And Euron Mentions to Jamie that he's been with Cersei They fight Jamie ends up using his uh, Steel plated hand To to get the better Of Euron And as the Hound and Arya are, are making their way to find Cersei in the mountain The city is falling all around Fire everywhere Ruins Burning, they're dodging Things from the sky, debris he tells Arya to leave. He said, this is not the life you want. This is not what you need. You're not going to make it out of here alive. He knows her, her risking her life is not worth it to go kill Cersei because Cersei's already dead. And she thanks him and she leaves. And then we see the hound run into his brother, the mountain. Cersei is with the mountain and with Kyburn. Kyburn tries to talk the mountain out of the battle. The Clagane Bull and the Mountain wants nothing. He picks up Kyburn, throws him. Kyburn's dead. Boom. Now Cersei's alone. She runs off, and we get Clagane Bull. One of the scenes that I have been most anticipating, I think, from all of Game of Thrones. I love the Hound. He's one of my favorite characters. And you knew, we hoped, that the Hound would get his opportunity to kill his brother. He had told him previously, You know how you're going to go, brother. I'm coming for you. And this is an epic battle between brothers. It's a destined epic battle. 
fire all over the city. City's falling apart. The hound tries to kill him, stabs him a few times, does nothing to the mountain. And in, in a last stitch effort, he knows what he needs to do. He runs, he tackles his brother, the mountain, through a wall. And they both fall to their deaths in the fire. So the hound, who always afraid of fire, of course, he dies by fire, falling into it. But he's able to do what he always wanted and get the better of his brother. They go out together, the Clagane Bowl. This was well-received, probably one of the better, one of the more well-received parts of the episode. Lots of negative feedback from what I've been reading and, and hearing on social media. And we see Jamie and Cersei, they find each other. And now the episode shifts to Arya's perspective As Arya's trying to get out of the city And I was listening to the writers Talk about this after the episode So they really wanted to put it from Arya's perspective Because she's one of the characters we care about most And it makes you a little bit more invested Than if you're just watching extras And people you don't know Characters that you've never seen Running through So from Arya's perspective I think it does make you get a little more Into what's happening She's scared, really. We don't see, we haven't seen Arya scared for a while, right? She seems like she's been above this, but this is one of the first times in a while where Arya is truly scared. She's running, dodging, falling objects, fire, smoke, bodies. I mean, we saw her scared in the against the White Walkers, obviously, but she's not been been scared often. She, this is a situation that she's trained for and that she's prepped for, though. We see. Some major characters die and go out And the hound by fire The irony there But doing what he always wanted Killing his brother And then Jamie and Cersei We see them They find each other They embrace And then They end up Finding that their way out is blocked And they know They look at each other And Jamie knows They're going to die As everything around them is falling apart And they Jamie says Nothing else matters Only us What they have Said to each other many times throughout the series They get killed And it's a little unfortunate because We never get to see somebody really kill Cersei, right? We always wanted to see who was going to be the one to kill Cersei I thought it would be Arya She never gets to kill Cersei Arya does try to lead some people out to safety But most of them get trampled and killed right in front of her Jamie and Cersei find that their way out is blocked and and when Arya gets out alive and that's that's the episode that's that's episode 5 here are some of the major kind of points and questions and topics i've seen after has the pacing of this show changed yeah absolutely right the first 6 seasons that were based on what was happening in the books they were very slow paced And a lot of our major characters weren't interacting with each other They were set up in different places We knew at one point they would all come together and interact with each other But now when they're all together, things have to happen, right? It's inevitable We don't get to see long journeys places anymore Because it's sped up This is the final, you know, the final season So I don't... I don't know what else they were supposed to do um, because you can't have things drag out a lot if there's only a season left, right? If I would have loved for another season or two. I'm upset with some things or I guess disappointed, frustrated. 
no one gets to kill Cersei. That was one of my big ones. But now what happens? Final episode. Is it going to be Jon and the Starks versus Danny Grey Worm? What about the army? Is the army going to be split? Are they going to follow Jon? Are they going to follow Danny? And uh, with her dragon? Who fights for which side? And now Tyrion. He's lost his brother, his sister, his best friend Varys due to Danny. How can he be faithful to her? Will he continue to be, or will he see what happened now? And, and like John, I just I, I think Danny has gone full Mad Queen now, and I think this battle has turned, and it will. One of my, one of the predictions that I had throughout was I feel like it's going to end up with with Sansa in a major place of power in some way, shape, or form. I don't think it's going to be as simple as John ruling at the end. I do feel like it might be Sansa. So whether that means John ends up dying or John turns it down, whatever it whatever it is, I'm expecting Sansa around maybe Sansa and Tyrion together at the end. That's a prediction there. Final episode of Game of Thrones. A little sad, right? And there's a show that you've been watching for a while that you invested so much time in. A little sad when they end. Let's go through WWE Money in the Bank coming up this weekend. It will be on Sunday, May the 19th. Money in the Bank. 11 matches. Before we get into the card, it's been a little bit of a lull in WWE right now. Generally, after WrestleMania, it happens a bit, but it's not the matches, it's not the the athletes, it's not the the performers, it's just the storylines. They've been lacking all-time low ratings right now. No consistency with who's on what show, superstar shakeup, we didn't know who was where. Now there's a new wild card rule where wrestlers are bouncing back between Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown back and forth. Let's go through the Money in the Bank match card, 11 matches. And the Money in the Bank matches could play into the women's title, I think. I don't know if they'll play into the men's title, but I feel like they'll play into the women's title. Start from the bottom going up. Cruiserweight title, Tony Nese versus Arya Davari. I haven't been watching 205 Live as much, honestly. Arya Davari's getting a, a good heel push right now. I think Tony Nese wins this, likely on the kickoff show. The women's tag team titles, the Iconics versus Asuka and Kyrie Sane. Asuka and Kyrie are, are great. Both are women's champion type and I can't wait till Kyrie gets her singles push uh, I would love to see Kyrie Becky, Kyrie Charlotte, Kyrie Sasha if she's around, Bailey, Asuka Kyrie, the prediction in that one Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos for the Smackdown Tag Team Championship D. Bryan and Rowan just got it, I think they're going to hold on to it for a little while and maybe try to uh Spice up the tag team division a little bit. Because I think the Usos are back on Raw, actually. So they'll be bouncing back there, most likely. Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio Jr. for the United States Championship. If we can get 15 minutes out of this match, it could be excellent. I hope they're not shortchanged. The storyline going on with Rey Mysterio's son. I feel like Joe wins this. Some sort of a heel, maybe by DQ. Something involving Rey Mysterio's son. Um... At some point, I feel like Ray is going to win this U.S. title with with his son playing a part in the storyline. Does he turn and turn back? Or I don't know if it's quite yet, though. 
Joe, the prediction for the U.S. title. The Miz, one of my all-time favorites, versus Shane McMahon in a steel cage. The Miz babyface turn is going a little bit better than I thought. You you can see they're they're high on on the Miz and they're they're wanting him to go babyface right now for a while and be become a good guy as they've been giving him you know a lot of ring time with Roman Reigns sharing the ring with Roman Reigns against some of the other heels and anytime they're in a you're in a program with Shane McMahon you know that the company thinks pretty highly of you I think the Miz is going to win this one after he lost the first one to Shane and. I think Miz wins this in the steel cage. Roman versus Elias. I would just be shocked if Elias won here. This has to be an easy win for Roman. I think they're giving him a little while to get back into shape and before they throw him back into the title picture. The women's money in the bank match. Alexa Bliss, Naomi, Natalia, Dana Brooke, Bailey, Ember Moon, Mandy Rose, Carmella. Should be a fine group. You'll get Naomi. Do something very athletic. Ember Moon, capable. Bailey, also capable. And then you have a, a ring general like Natty in there to hold things down. Alexa, Dana, Mandy, Carmella. Not worried about them, but this is a big stage for them. Let's see how they step up to the plate here. They've been capable in big spots before, and I've been... I've been excited with Dana Brooke and I've heard positive things about Dana Brooke that she's a very hard worker and she wants to get better. She wants to learn. So getting an opportunity to be in a spot like this could only help her. I think uh, so wishing the best in that one. Bailey is the selection. I think Bailey wins this. I think I couldn't be wouldn't be surprised if Bailey wins this and immediately cashes in on Becky Lynch later in the night. I think Becky winning the women's money in the bank. Men's money in the bank. Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, Ali, Andrade, Sami Zayn, and Randy Orton. Really, any of these would be fun, right? Any any but Randy Orton, just because we've seen Randy Orton so many times in the title picture. But Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, even Corbin, Ali, Andrade, Sami Zayn. That's a new world title contender if they win the money in the bank. That's someone... Who's not generally in the main event Getting an opportunity to be in the main event That's what that's what Money in the Bank used to be I like this grouping for that reason And I'm hoping it's just anyone but Orton I'm picking Sami Zayn His new heel turn He is an extension of Vince They said Vince loves working with him on the promos Because a lot of what Sami Zayn is saying Is coming from the mouth and the, uh, the head of Vince McMahon Sami the pick And the men's Money in the Bank Smackdown the women's championships. Well, there's there's two of them, and it's Becky facing facing Lacey Evans, and then Becky facing Charlotte. I think what happens is whether they have the matches back to back. I'm predicting that. I think they have the Raw women's match. Becky wins. She beats Lacey. Lacey's done a good job so far. She has a presence, but I, I, she's not quite ready. She's had no big, even no big NXT matches, even really, and now she's going to be in a big in a big opportunity. Um, on a big stage here against Becky But I'm predicting Becky beats Lacey Then Becky Beats Charlotte with In a roll up Like a non-definitive win against Charlotte After the match Charlotte attacks Becky Beats her down Becky's tired because she just had two matches She is barely able to get up Here comes Bailey 
who had just won the Money in the Bank briefcase earlier in the night. Bailey cashes it in. Now the fans don't know what to do. They're going to turn on Bailey because they like Becky. And I think Bailey kind of has a, a heel turn coming up. And maybe Bailey wins. She takes the belt over to SmackDown. And then, then what happens with Sasha Banks? If Sasha's around, you can do something with Sasha and Bailey for the belt. And that will will get kind of a new group of women contending for the championship over on SmackDown. And you keep Becky with the with the Raw women's belt over on Monday Night Raw. WWE Championship, Kofi versus Kevin Owens. This is one of the the matches that's that suffered a little bit. We saw Kevin Owens and and he joined the New Day for uh, for a week or two, and then he turned on them. Kofi's been okay. This has been a fine feud. It just hasn't felt WWE Championship level. I hope they continue to go with Kofi, but I do not think they're going to. And I think Kevin Owens is going to win the title at the Money in the Bank pay per view. Seth Rollins. Versus AJ Styles for the Universal Championship. If this match gets 25 minutes or 30, it could be a match of the year contender. Two of the best wrestlers in the world. Two incredible in the ring. Great fan favorites. Hoping and and very high expectations for this match. I hope that this one will deliver. Money in the Bank. Sunday. I'll be watching Money in the Bank be tweeting along so please send me any of your thoughts and anytime I'm watching any sports online you see me tweeting please give me a do you know I agree with you I don't agree with you um, you're wrong there or check out this stat or check out this number Friday Pimlico let's do it let's get into the Friday Pimlico racing card so get your past performances out we're going to go to race number 7 on May the 17th Pimlico it is the skip it stakes. This is not a race where I would bet anything other than a pick five because the pick five starts in this seventh race. And honestly, won't spend a whole lot of time on this race because I think Shalone is just an absolute standout. That is the number three. You'll notice her last race was in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. She was barely beaten. She ran really well that day. She looked like the winner. She opened up. Seven furlongs is just a little too far for her. Six and a half sometimes is even a little too far. I think one of our friends, Scott Shapiro, had had money on Shalone, if I remember correctly, that day. So that tough beat for um, for those who backed Shalone in the Breeders' Cup because she ran too good to lose. When you look at this race, there's nobody else that's ever been in a graded stakes here, and Shalone is a five-time graded stakes mare. Graded stakes placed mare. Five-time graded stakes placed mare. Grade one placed in the Breeders' Cup. In her last two attempts at graded stakes races, she was barely defeated. And this is the distance that she's best. Six furlongs. This is a nice starting point for her first start of the year. She deserves to be the overwhelming favorite, and she's an absolute standout on paper. Not even going to really bother going through the rest of the field or, or anyone else because I just, if you're playing the race as a pick five, I think you just single her and move on. Otherwise, this is a race where I would not play much more um, than that. Just not really worth it from a value based standpoint. Eighth race, the Miss Preakness. Start from the inside. Iva. She broke well. She tracked within three lengths. She always was traveling well back in February when she won at Turfway. 
Most recently, she she had some trouble. It was a sloppy racetrack at Keeneland. I think it's it's fi- it's fine to put a line through that race and give her an excuse for it. But she now draws the rail in a big field. This is a this is a tough race. This is a really fun race to handicap. So you can make lots of cases in here in a six furlong race. There's plenty of speed signed up, but there's a lot of horses who have the opportunity to maybe track just off. I feel like Iva's going to get in a little bit of trouble down on the inside and she will be forced down there. So against her in this spot, Kofivi, she is in one that I'll use in the bottom of the exotics. She was a step slow. She then rushed up from the inside. She did dealt with deal with a little pressure. She was able to look like she put that rival array at the top of the lane. That uh, the one did continue to come on and try hard, but it was a pretty easy victory in the end for Kofivi. Now she cuts back from six and a half to six. But again, in a big field like this with lots of other speed. I'm concerned that she is going to be used up early on in in a pace battle or even if she's not as fast as some of the early on she doesn't break alertly she's farther back does she want to come from that far back and pass horses I don't think so lone defeat was when Jaywalk was very good last year in the grade one for Zet I don't want to take a short price on her though I have her picked fourth in here Kofivi Brunette Princess, she she closed a ton of ground late last out. I mean, a ton of ground late at Gulfstream Park. She hooked the next out stakes winner two starts back in February. And she should get the setup. I have her picked right underneath Kofivi. Uh, I have her fifth in here. I would not talk you off her. I would use her in the bottom of some of the exotics. She should be a nice price. And I think if they choose a similar tactic, hopefully they do because that was successful for them. And because there's a lot of other speed and I don't think she's as quick as them. Could be on the scene late here. Pick up a piece. Let's go to, please flatter me, the four. Big speed here. I don't like the fact that you race in December, you're off for a couple months, you come back and again, you're off a couple months. Layoff after a layoff. Immediately She was pretty solid Last out when she tried a mile for the first time She was three deep of four She was just a length off And she was always within striking range She briefly had the lead At the top of the lane She really did try hard but she faded late I think the mile was just a little too much But another one who She hasn't shown That she wants to sit farther back Than you know about a length or so and they're going to be cooking early on. And I think that's going to weaken her up. And I'm looking for horses that are going to be coming from off the pace in the top couple spots. Congrats Gal is just another one who zero knocks on her ability. She's a three-time winner. She's a stakes winner. She's never run a bad race. She was only beaten you know, length and a half behind Jaywalk when Jaywalk was very, very good at Delaware. Just think making her first start of the year in a race with a lot of other speed I'll be against her I like never enough time the six now you'll say it doesn't look like she has a lot of speed I think she does but when I watched her race I don't think she needs to be on the lead because 
she was able to get to the front pretty easily without being asked. It wasn't like she sent hard and, and going 21 and 1. And she really looked like she was just playing with that field. It was an easy victory. She was green late, but a huge win. I think there's more under the tank here. Never enough time. Big shot in here. I have never enough time. Picked third. Miss Imperial, seven. She, most recently, she moved to the lead. She opened up three lengths in the stretch, but she couldn't hold off a 36-1 to shot, who was then defeated at Mahoning Valley. Workaholic ran fifth, beaten 16 furlongs at Mahoning Valley. And that runner was defeated at Mahoning Valley in an allowance race previous to beating Miss Imperial. So I just don't know how strong the race she comes out of was. And, and I thought she had every opportunity to win that race. So I'm, I'm against Miss Imperial in here. Tomlin. You know, for a price, I'm, I wouldn't talk you off Tomlin. I like the fact that she's faced some very nice ones. You see... You know, Bellafina and you see break even. The the problem I have with her though is I don't really know what her best running style is. Her victories have been when she was right on the lead. I don't think she's as fast as some of the others, so will she be able to close five or six lengths if she has to? That's why I'm a little concerned with the way the race shape is going to play out for Tomlin. Sue's Fortune has not raced since October. This barn does very good coming off the bench, but this is a tough spot to come off the bench. She is a grade two winner. Again, though, another one with that profile of wanting to be just on the lead. And I think coming off the bench likely will be a little fresh, probably a little headstrong, want to go early, and that could be her um, her downfall in here. Top selection is the 10 by by J. I'd be surprised if Bye Bye J is 12 to 1 on the morning line. Honestly, I think anything around anything over 5 to 1 is a very fair price on her. On March the 30th, she you look, that was when she hooked break even. She was actually favored in that race over break even. She got up to about second in the lane, but she was chasing lone speed and she faded. She had an easy excuse for backing up. And if you just put a line through that race, the rest of her form looks excellent. She's the type of filly who has positional speed, but I don't expect her to be caught up in the lead. I expect her to be two to three, four lengths behind and fine with that. And and I think she's going to come running. Half of her price on the morning line is is fair. Anything over five to one, we're gonna bet a win wager on buy by J. So make sure toss a few bucks on buy by J. One of the best plays of the day, really my best bet of uh, of the Friday card. No knocks on the eleven fighting Matt. I think one of the top contenders for Bob Baffert. She has been very good in her two starts. I like the way she won at Churchill. She was fifth early. She was four off. She moved. Uh, she was on the inside, and then she angled out. She quickly angled out and got up to second on the outside. She was just sitting in a perfect spot. It was a, a really big middle move, and it was just a very impressive win. She seems very handy, and I think she's a, I think she's a versatile filly who she could sit a little farther back if need be than, than what it looks like in the running line because she was a little further back early on before kind of making that move and getting up the outside. I think it was just a good early move. Midnight Fantasy, another horse where I say no knocks, but this is just a much tougher group. All of the victories for Midnight Fantasy have been against Louisiana Bread Company. The first 
the first three victories have been against Louisiana Bread Company, and then we have a victory last out at Mahoning Valley. So we just don't know what level Midnight Fantasy is ready to take on. This is not a soft group. I think I think this is a pretty uh, a pretty good little Miss Preakness, nice little grade three here for Philly and Mayor three year old sprinters. So we'll move on from the eighth race, but the number ten Bye Bye J will bet that one to win anything over five to one, and. Uh, the order of selections 10 11 6 2 3 in the 8th the ninth race pimlico friday the hilltop start with a 1 from mella this is going to be a better spot for her i think she has a big shot in here she uh, if you go into her first start in the us on march the 2nd she had a slow start she was last early at the rail she kept to the inside she split horses late to get up for fourth Behind Cambier Park, who came back and was behind Newspaper of Record and Concrete Rose in the Edgewood. Not a bad animal, uh, Cambier Park. And then in the April 7th race, Permella was bumped hard at the start, was wide into the first turn. And she faced a field that was not bad. It was a better-than-looked effort. She was behind Princess Crowland, who won an allowance next start out. Or Princess Carolyn, excuse me. Who wanted to allow us next start out. Can't even read my own writing sometimes. The real wild card in the race. And the horse who I will never bet to win. But she's going to be hard to toss in exotics, right? I don't think you'll be able to keep a horse like this out of your exactas and your tries and your supers. Is Nova Soul, the three-year-old filly, first time in the Chad Brown barn. And we know Chad Brown does so well with these acquisitions. She's lightly raced. She's done really nothing wrong in her three starts where she's a winner with two uh, top three finishes. Tough to keep her out. I-, I don't love her. I have her in the third spot here, but will you be using in most of the exotics? Fashion faux pas. Like the the turf debut, but this race does look like another one that's going to have a lot of speed, in particular because some of these fillies are going long for the first time. Fashion faux pas has never gone longer than seven furlongs and now we'll try to do that we'll have to deal with a horse like cover photo and cover photo right next door to fashion faux pas has some speed we'll be stepping up big time for the first time but we'll also be trying turf for the first time and be going over six furlongs for the first time it's hard to use a horse who's doing that many things for the first time but what i expect is that cover photo will probably show some of that speed and be a nuisance for a horse like fashion faux pas you get to dog tag and you kind of scratch your head and you just go wow how many good horses does chad brown have right because a horse like this a filly like this you almost forget about her she's already a stakes winner she's done nothing wrong in her short career she's behind newspaper of record back in september she's making her first start since september she would she be a surprise of course not i just like others more in here she won't be one of my top four Dog tag. Make me dream. That's the six. She was part... um, Early on, she was kind of trying to pick her way... Picking out a spot. She was too deep. She was fifth. She was just three off. I thought she ran pretty well. She was second. It was her first start in a couple months. She was just a bit flat late. She had a little bit of a wide trip in a small field... I'm expecting a lot more punch late. Joel jumps aboard for Christophe Clement. Now they go second start off the bench. I think you're going to get a big effort from Make Me Dream. 
The seven is ebullient. Made an early move up to the two path. And she had dead aim. Briefly took the lead, battled it out, lost by just the neck. It was a a tough loss. And yet another one in a wide open race who wouldn't be a shock. So I think you can't bet them all though. You can't use them all. Gotta pick which pick and choose and always lean towards the horses who will probably offer you a little more value. Venetian Princess. You can toss the April 4th race at Gulfstream Park. That was in the slop. Just put a line through that one. On March the 9th, she was tucked in on the on the rail. She was in third. She was five behind the top two. It was really a, a nice uh, a nice trip. A couple horses dueling up front. She got the setup. Now, does that mean she can't win this race? But a lot of times you don't get perfect setups in horse racing back-to-back. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you're able to, to work out your own trip or you're able to create a good trip like that for yourself over and over. Introduced is another filly who she's never been past six furlongs. She's never been worse than second, but she's going to go farther now. She's going to step up and she's going to have to deal with other early speed. I think she gets caught up in this early pace battle. Who you going to call? Ghostbusters 50 to 1 morning line on who you going to call. Just needs to show better. Her only victory was one where she was able to get an easy lead going 49 to the half mile at a mile. She just will not get away with anything like that in here. The top selection at a price. Her Royal Highness. This is a filly who is been pretty good from the beginning. Her first three starts were very good. Then in the Sun Coast, she ran into a pretty tough group. And Point of Honor is a horse who I think is going to be really, really tough in the Black Eyed Susan a, a little later on when we get into race number 11. Her Royal Highness then tries the grass on March the 9th. Was in between, was about five lengths off. Was fine, but then ended up like losing position. It was weird. Everyone else started to move. She backed up, and then she comes come, She comes running late. It was a, a weird ride. I didn't love it. Most recently, on April the 19th, she was three deep in a field of five. She loomed up within a length at the top of the lane, but then she fades. The wide trip hurts her in a small field. You can't give up that kind of ground in a small field. There's something here with Her Royal Highness. And if she is double digits, you know, 10 to 1 or over... Probably worth a few bucks. And I'm also going to play a trifecta box in here. One, two, six, eleven. Generally, I don't like to box uh, trifectas. I think there are better ways to play them, but, or when you're box four horses like this. But because we'll be using multiple prices and just wanting to get, it would be nice if we can get both of them in the mix somehow. Um, we'll, we'll, one, two, six, eleven. Eleven, six, Two, one, the top four, or a more first time turf. I just don't think this is an easy spot to make your turf debut. If the race comes off the grass, maybe a, maybe one to upgrade. And then the outside two, I think will be hooked a little bit wide. I'm worried about being nimble because the running style, she's kind of in between. She wants to track, and that that's the type of style that is the worst type to have. Drawn to the outside You want to have speed Or you want to be The type of filly Who you can take back And make one late run I think she's going to get 
parked out wide and then super escape not really sure if she's good enough she'll have to t- take a big step up off of her best career effort when she won on the grass last out so 11 6 2 1 let's play a, a try box there 1 2 6 11 race 9 at Pimlico race number 10 at Pimlico the Pimlico special Glenn Ellis just spoke to on Facebook a few minutes ago Saw We were talking a little bit about the DQ Going back and forth uh, I think he said they were going to scratch out of this race So keep an eye on War Story If he's in or not um, we'll, I'm going to play this as if he's not in the races Just reading that They uh, they had said they're going to be scratching out Rally Cry Will Will take a lot of money It's Pletcher, it's Johnny V I'm I'm against him. He's had a perfect third. He was just a length off. He was in the clear. He was pressing. He had re- no real challenge whatsoever. He was very flat late to run fourth in the Charlestown Classic. He's he hasn't been good in a while since August of 2017 at Saratoga. He has a couple of big wins where he's earned big figures, but overall he's been very consist inconsistent. And I- I'm against him at a short price. The three is. Flying the flag He's been improving And He's in nice form in his last couple But he went very slow In his most recent victory back in February They went 25 and 149 and 4 to the half Last out he sat second He was Within two He was chasing Stormy Bennett He loomed up He actually stuck his nose in front But he could not finish the job and it wasn't like he was coming off a six month break He was coming off a two month break Can he step forward a little bit? Yes And this is not the strongest group in the world It's a it's a very deep race Because there are There are many horses in here Who can jump up with a good effort on their best day But you don't know when that best day is coming For most of them They're just horses who have been picking up the pieces And like to pick up checks in, in, in big races And so flying the flag Is not really dealing with any monsters in here Four is Carlino Carlino It was outrun early It was okay late The race fell apart It really set up for him He was fourth in the, the jockey club That was back in September That was the last time we saw him The Barnes won with two of their last four Off the plus 180 day layoff But only four out of 44 So good in the most recent small sample size But not one of the strengths of the Barno overall I think this is probably a nice setup race Moving forward I'd be surprised to see Carlino jump up with a win in here. The five is heavy roller. The issue I have with heavy roller, he's been very good since coming into the Joe Sharp barn. Always been a pretty consistent horse overall. This is going to be a solid step up in class for him. And his most recent successes, his three most recent victories, three of his last four, but they've all been on an off track. So if there is an off track, you probably would like to upgrade Heavy Roller. You go back to the February 10th race. The fourth place finisher was S- Exclamation Point, who went on to win his next two and then was second in the Oaklawn Mile. So Heavy Roller is not coming out of bad races, but this is going to be tougher and he's going to have to, to prove he can be as good on a fast track as he has been on an off track. The top selection coming up is the six. Cord maker just feels like a race To take a little bit of a shot They don't love any of the horses Who I think are going to take a lot of action in here Now cord maker again is another Who I think 12 is too high 
probably eight seems about fair. So that's that's the win wager line around eight to one on cord maker. Let's go through the last couple of cord makers races on February the sixteenth. Was bumped around at the start Was back to last of 14 Angled out 7 wide And was not bad at all And that was in the grade 3 General George And that was his first start As a 4 year old And so it looked like he improved a little bit He he grew up a little bit And he wasn't bad as a 3 year old Then he comes back in his second start as a 4 year old And he On March the 16th he breaks well He takes back and he moved through very nicely to take the lead. He was drifting a bit late. Comes back on April the 25th. He's fifth, about seven, eight off. He's on the inside. And he makes a big four wide move and kicks clear. This is a horse who's in very nice form. He went a mile and an eighth, two back, and then cut back to seven furlongs. He has shown the ability to really have a nice, nice late kick. I think Cord Maker. Has a huge shot in here. He is the horse to bet at anything over eight to one. Just whistle is the seven. Comes out of the the Ben Ali, and he saved ground on the inside. He was five off. He was in the five, six, seven spots. He was able to move to the two two path. He was hard ridden early, and he was able to just pass some tiring horses late for an okay fourth. Not really a, a horse I'm I'm too high on in here. Tenfold. He was your beaten favorite in the last two starts And he's a horse who had good success at this racetrack Perhaps his career best effort When third in the Preakness behind Justify I mean, there was a moment when I thought he was going to win that race Last time out I think you can put a line through Slop never really got into it We go back to March the 5th And it was his first start of the year He got up to 30, he was within two lengths He was sitting just off He loomed up at the fairgrounds And he just could not go by But now he's going to make his third start off the bench His third start of the year His third start at 4 If there's improvement coming It should be here You don't want to take a short price on tenfold But if he's 6-1 to on the morning line If he's 5-1 to or over That's fine You just don't want to take you know, three to one, seven to two, or or anything lower on a horse because just because he's had a little success at Pimlico, don't don't get caught up in there. But I do think he's a logical horse. I have him picked third, six, thirteen, eight for me in the tenth. Let's continue on through this field though. And bridled one, consistent, get a solid twenty eighteen, but I think he was clear, clearly not as good as Cordmaker when they hooked up back in March. And he will need to improve on Cordmaker and others in here. It's not like Cordmaker is the logical favorite. He's a horse to bet, but he's not the, uh, necessarily the one to beat. Bobby G, nice form, but really massive class hike for Bobby G, who was in for uh, who was claimed for five thousand back in February. Done a great job with him so far, but this is just a huge, huge step up in class. Flame Away is the eleven. And you know what you're going to get from Flame Away? Speed. He'll show some speed. I just think that's too far for him. I would not talk you off using Flame Away in, you know, underneath two, three, four spots, but I don't think he wants to go a mile and a quarter. He will be out on the front end. He'll be pushing it. Uh, he'll, rally Cry won't be that far. Flying the Flag won't be too far. Uh, you know, Carlino is going to be coming from the back. Heavy Roller will be. You know, kind of middle. Uh, so Flame Away will be the one 
to catch, but the the real nuisance for Flameaway is going to be the hordes drawn to his outside, I think. And that's wait for it. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Flameaway going a mile and a quarter where he's able to get the lead and cruise, maybe. But if he does have some speed right next to him and a couple others in here, that's where it's hard to play. Uh, it's hard to play fi- uh, flame away on the win end. So more of an underneath type. Wait for it. Feel feel sort of the same way. He's not. Oh, he's he can sit a little bit. Wait for it. He sat, you know, in, in late 2018. But his best races in a race like this, you'd have to imagine they're going to try to get him forwardly placed early on. I feel like you're to blame is probably the most likely winner of this race. I think he'll get bet down a little bit. Doesn't mean he's the best bet. I just think he's the most likely winner. He had to work hard, but he did get the W last time out. And I think that was just shorter than than where he's best. The mile and a quarter is, is going to be great for him. He probably wants even more than a mile and a quarter. And he was able to get the win going a mile and a 16th last out. To me, he feels like the most consistent horse and a horse who's in the best form right now. He got his first start out of the bench, his first start off the bench out of the way. He's now making his second start as a five-year-old. And you look at a, a lot of the others and they're, you know, rally cry. He's not in the best of form. Uh, you know, tenfold as a horse, you're kind of taking a, a shot on flame away. Can he go this far? I think this the, the race really fits for you're to blame. So to me, the six is the horse to bet. Cordmaker, you're to blame is the horse to beat. And then the eight, tenfold, also in the exotics. Six, 13, eight in the tenth at Pimlico. Clubman to the outside just looks like a, a long shot. Not, uh, need to see more from him against... This type of group, as as you see, he was well beaten by Cordmaker when they faced each other uh, at the end of 2018. And again, if you're getting crushed by Cordmaker, you're probably going to be in tough here in that this is... I, I have Cordmaker as my top pick. No knocks on Cordmaker, but this is just a step up for, for the horses who have been getting defeated by him. Handily defeated. The Black-Eyed Susan. Race number 11. Start with... Sweet Diane from the inside. You know, I would not talk you off her. She's coming into the Keneally barn for the first time. This barn does very well with their new acquisitions. She was in the Fairgrounds Oaks. She ran third that day. Serengeti Empress, who was last, came out of that race to win the Kentucky Oaks. We know Serengeti Empress had issues that day. Sweet Diane actually loomed up, quickly flattened out, but she was third. It wasn't wasn't bad. Thought it was an okay race from the inside. I have her picked fourth. The horse who I'm going to put on top in here is off topic. Saw some quotes from Todd Pletcher how they're really high on this filly and they've been expecting a little bit more from her. And I like the fact that you'll notice October, a couple months off. December, race, uh, October races, a couple months off. December races, a couple months off. February races, a couple months off. Comes back now. I think she should have a little more bottom today. I expect to see her have a little more oomph late. She, she broke well. She got crossed over on a bit. And then she had to take back to third. She was tucked inside. She continued to grind all the way. And I think that's what she'll keep doing is grinding. But I'm hoping she's able to be, you know, a little bit more in the clear. 
not having to get shuffled from the inside that that might be a tough thing to ask but I, I that's why I think you'll get a nice price on her so we'll we'll be on off topic eight to one seems about fair I wouldn't want to take less than five though on her you the three she flashed speed last time out going gate to wire at Keeneland and winning it was a good effort and the issue I have I don't know how much she really wants to pass horses going long I think she is a Philly who can win if she's able to get out front, dictate things, and with a horse like Cookie Dough right next door, I cannot see that happening. I think this is going to have this race is going to have a good amount of speed signed up, right? You you have to think so when Cookie Dough is pretty quick, our Super Freak and Las Setas are both pretty quick, and then you have a bunch of fillies in here who aren't slow, but they're just pressers, right? Cookie Dough, pace factor, but this just feels too far. She was very good in the Devona Dale, very good in the call in the Gulfstream Park Oaks, but those are going a mile and a mile and a sixteenth. She was, you know, noticeably fading late, and she is a filly who wants and needs the lead. And I don't know if she will be able to slow things down enough to navigate the mile and an eighth. You have to give it up for our super freak for what she tried last time out. She had been getting defeated by Las Citas, so instead of trying to sit behind Las Citas and and pass our super freak and the connections and McCarthy said, you know what? Let's try to get out in front of her. They battled all the way around and they just missed. I mean, Las Cetas sat just off the freak. Las Cetas who was in the two path moved to challenge for the lead at the, uh, at the half mile pole and was about a half length up at the top of the lane wins a stretch battle it did not look like Las Cetas won. When you watched that race, our super freak battled so hard, really, really tried. All that being said, I don't really like either of them in here. I, I think that there are three or four pretty nice fillies in here. And I, so I think they might just be a cut below some of the top tier fillies in this spot. Always shopping. They decided to pass on the Kentucky Oaks. She she was good. She was always pressing just off the pace. She put away positive spirit. I really have no knocks on her. She's developing very, very nicely. And she is another who will probably be a little sharper late in here. So I think the, the Pletchers are very, very live, obviously. Brill, I remember from Southern California, she did, broke her maiden last year and it was so impressive and she was one of those buzz horses at Del Mar and Saratoga you know those ones that win early on and you think that this might be the Kentucky Derby or Kentucky Oaks winner but you remember that they were just very precocious early at two and it was only a five furlong race at Del Mar we had really high hopes for her after that and I mean she's been disappointing she has not won a race since she is multiple graded stakes place though Last out, she broke well. She sat second behind Motion Emotion. She was a couple lengths in front of Lady Apple, who was the eventual winner. Now, she tried to move early, but when she moved, she just could never get by Motion Emotion. It was a pretty good trip for Brill. I don't know if she's going to get a better trip than that. I don't know if she's going to want to go a mile and an eighth. I'm against Brill in here. Point of Honor looks like the one to beat. She... Was defeated when fourth. She was only beaten a couple lengths though. In a race where she was just a little too far back. And the Phillies in front of her. Were able to just get the jump. 
Point of Honor was in between horses. She was at the back of the pack. She was steadied a little bit early on. She, you know, she closed well. And she was only beating a couple lengths, but she was just a little too far behind. Uh, a couple nice horses who got the uh, the race shape and had the advantage over her there. She looks to me like the standout. She was on the also eligibles list. She did not get the draw into the Kentucky Oaks. I would have played her as a, a contender in the Oaks. And I think she's like logically the one to beat in here. If you don't get over the five to one on off topic, I probably won't bet off topic to win. But I do have this race two eight six one off topic point of honor always shopping and sweet Diane is on the wild card. If you're looking for a price to spice up some of those exotics, twelfth race won't spend a whole lot of time on this twelfth race. I think it's going to be a heavy favorite. Don't you know some races there are so many opportunities to to bet, especially on a weekend like this. Don't feel the need to play every race or to play a lot in every race. Some races just look at and say, Okay, I don't like this race, or I think it's gonna be the heavy favorite. Let's just play it small or let's just move on. I think that's the case with the the twelfth race. The three bound for nowhere was scratched out of a race on Oaks Day for this spot. He can sit a little bit. He is the class of the field, and I think he is a standout and will be very, very tough. Now, pure sensation is no slouch. So you I, I don't want to just completely discount pure sensation. He's an eleven time winner and he's earned one point five million, but he is much the best on the lead or very very good on the lead And I think there's so many others in here Who want to be on the lead So I'm expecting Bound for Nowhere To be just maybe a little behind them And who, who knows With this five furlong turf sprint Sometimes you, you think the horse is going to sit And they all end up going And then you know they take back But the way I see this race unfolding I think Bound for Nowhere Is more likely to be able to sit To take back to track He was defeated by in a huge performance when when he most recently lost so let's just go bound for nowhere as a chalky likely winner in a race where we won't bet a whole lot last race going to talk about today is the 13th which is the Allard Pont this staff this is a cool race cuz i think any of these can win right let's go through the field and and i'll say this is a race where I would like to try to spread out maybe in in the exotics or this is a race where I think a lot of people will try to spread out in the exotics. So if you can go the other way and key in on a horse or two that you like, you may be able to get a little separation in a difficult race here in some of the multi-race exotics. Timeless Curl adds the blinks, put a line through her last start. That was on the grass. She was really good. Middle to end of 2018 into 2019 She actually beat a couple of these rivals In another broad and in Isotope And She Would not be a shock I expect her to be a lot better Getting back to the dirt She's able to save the ground from the inside And I don't think the mile and eighth Will be a problem for her She hasn't proven herself Going this far yet But I don't think it should be an issue The two My Miss Lily we last saw her on April the 13th. It was a slow start. She got to the rail and she was not in a great spot. She was behind horses. She was squeezed, kind of stuck at the back of the pack, surrounded on all sides. She really never 
had an opportunity, but she always seemed to have some run. She got an opening. She shot through that opening. She angled to the two plat the two path, but she was a little bit flat. She didn't stop. She just couldn't go with the top two. I thought she was about to stop, and then she did keep coming. So I, you know, I, I have zero knocks on her. I just don't want to take a short price in a race that I think is wide open. That's going to be the the real key to this race is. In a race where you feel it's wide open, you have to demand value. So you have to look at this race and see how, who do you, who is the the biggest overlay? What price should each of these horses be? My Miss Lily, I don't want her to be anything shorter than three to one. You know, seven to two seems right. Geo Game, I liked her debut at four. I think she has a, a big opportunity And you never know with fillies like this Or with horses like this When they make their first start of the year From you know 3 to 4, 4 to 5, 2 to 3 Have they grown up? Have they matured? Maybe they figured things out a little bit And Geo Game had some talent at 3 Liked her effort She sat close I'm not sure how far she wants to go That's my one concern with her And I think that was probably the reason Why I ended up slotting her in the second spot Instead of in the first spot But could offer you nice Anything over that 5-1 to one. Seems very fair Milady Curlin Looking for her Third in a row And this again Zero knocks right She defeated Skeptic And then you look up and you see Last year Geo Game was behind Skeptic Just Another contender Who has Some the, shown some versatility and the ability to win in different ways, right? I will not talk you off, my lady Curlin, but I don't have her. I don't have her in my top three. Top four, really. Another broad. This will be the top selection. I think if you can get anything over three to one on another broad, this is the play in here. She waited at the rear. She was in the two path. She had to take up and she had to angle around. And then she ducks back to the inside. She finds a seam in between in the two path for a nice victory. I was going a mile in an eighth. That was just her second start for Pletcher. She seems to be moving in the right direction and rapidly improving. And another step forward will make her very, very tough in here. And I will bet her to win at anything over three to one. Golden Awards scratched uh, from Derby Weekend. And I thought she was going to be a big player at a price on Derby Weekend. She'll likely be much shorter in here. And I'm I'm just a little concerned about taking a short price in a race where many of these on paper look pretty similar to me. She is capable of big performances as we've seen. Her January race at Gulfstream was a nice one. But I think because of that big figure she earned, she's going to be a little overbet. Isotope rounds things out. She's probably the the one who I I like the least in this field. And you know, she's 12 to 1 in a field where everyone else is 10 or under, so obviously the longest shot in the group, but we'll play a trifecta. 5 over 1 2 3 6 and the 5 to win at 3 to 1 in race number 13 at Pimlico. So just a couple wagers for you today here. We'll play go back to race number 7. Let's play a pick five Starting in race number seven And we'll use that Single of the three Shalom Go to race number eight And we're going to use two, three, six, ten, eleven. 10, 11 Kofivi, Brunette, Princess 
Bye-bye, Jay. Fighting mad. And Kofivi, Brunette Princess, never enough time. Bye-bye, Jay. Fighting mad. 1, 2, 6, 11 in the ninth. Primella, Nova Soul, Make Me Dream, Her Royal Highness. In the tenth, 6, 8, 13. Chord Maker, Tenfold. And 13, You're to Blame. Close things out with the 1, 2, uh, excuse me, close things out with the 1, 2, 6, 8. Sweet Diane, the 1, the 2 off topic, the 6 always shopping, and the 8 point of honor. And so if you want to play any of the other exotics, I figure I'll just give you that pick 5. Uh, you can, you know, play pick 4s, pick 3s, however, however you want. Move to some, we'll go to some of the individual wagers. In the eighth race, don't forget the number 10, bye bye J, bet to win anything over five to one. In the ninth race, a dollar try box, one, two, six, 11. We'll use some prices in there with Promella and with Her Royal Highness. We'll hope to get those two and make me dream home. And then we'll use Nova Soul in the mix with them. So those four, box those up, one, two, six, and 11. Go to the 13th race, that trifecta, the five with the one, two, three, six. And then you bet the five to win anything over three to one. Could be a, a spot maybe to single in late exotics. You play two tickets, maybe you single the five in the 13th race, and then you play another ticket where you play all in that 13th race also in a wide open race. You could probably single in some of the late exotics with Bound for Nowhere and maybe Point of Honor in some of those previous races also if you're looking for like a short-priced single. Thank you very much for tuning in again, and I just have one request if you can, helps me out so much. Head on over to iTunes. If you have a, an iTunes account, it's free. If you don't and you subscribe and you sign up for one, you will not only get the opportunity to get subscribed to the That's What G Said podcast, you can get all all sorts of content, movies, TV shows, videos, music, everything, obviously on iTunes. I need the, the five-star ratings and reviews. Those help out our shows so much and... It can just help me continue to pump out free content, help me to grow the show, get more eyeballs and more ears listening to the show, and will you know helps out with 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 everything. So anytime you get an opportunity, if you can head on over, leave a nice five star rating and review. Let uh let me let them know what you like about the show. You just put some com- comments down in there. If I see them, I'll read the the comments on the show. I'll give you a, a shout out and a big thank you. Follow on social media and let's start getting a lot more involved on social media. Anytime you see a a podcast posting, I want to know your thoughts on the Preakness card coming up over the weekend. So send in your Preakness selections. You'll be hearing another podcast from me, another episode of That's What G Said will be coming out in just about 24 hours. So good luck, folks, on Friday, Pimlico, and enjoy the weekend. We'll be talking to you soon.